Hey everyone, uh, you know, on one of these off weeks, we'd normally deliver you one of our patented, uh, very long minis. A patented piping hot piece of podcast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's a lot of peas in there. Uh, I call uh, them maxi minis. <laughs> you know. A pickled piece of podcast. But now we're going to give you a, a really pickled piece of podcast because it's uh -huh. uh, from long ago and we've been... Sell we, it, Dan. Sell we, it. Hype it we, up. Make it sound desirable. <laughs> Old and moldy. It. We brined it for your pleasure. Hey, I mean, like, you don't like pickles, Elliot? This is something we should dive into. I, I do like pickles, but how many how many products, when they're being hyped up, are described <laughs> as pickled? <laughs> well, pickles is the number one. Like, if okay. we were all doing Family Feud, you know, it would be, show me pickles, and that would be number okay. one on the board. Of but it's, it's rare that when a movie comes out or a song, they're like, hey, get ready for this old thing from the vaults. It's been pickled. <laughs> So we packed this. We packed this in salt so it would last the winter, and now we're uh -huh. gonna dump it on your plate. Okay. Well, yep. the point is, uh, this is coming right after the Maximum Fun drive has technically ended. Uh -huh. uh, the technical end of the drive was one day prior to the release of this. But you know, we are uh, a bunch of rule breakers, and we think this basically counts as part of the drive. So if you want to go to Maximum Fun... Uh, well, and, and also, not just basically counts, but there is a grace period after the official end of the drive. We should say, you yeah. can still go to MaximumFun.org slash join, and you will be coming a new or upgrading member. It's not just... You don't have to petition them that the Flophouse said it's okay. It, I, it can, it'll happen. Yeah. I mean, no, Elliot, they're, they're, you, know, you could become a member of Maximum Fun at any time during the year. Normally, when there, there's a grace period, it's because we're trying to reach sort of a target. But there is uh -huh. no target this year no. due to the pandemic and other associated uh, disruptions in our lives. So, Wait a minute. No, no. I, I, I have a target. So, and, What's and that I'm, target? And we're very close to reaching it. That target? Your heart. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And it's a hard target. <laughs> Yeah. It is a very hard target because you've got a very hard heart. He's a hard-hearted yeah. man. Yeah, so you got to take a chance, Boudreaux, on Dan's hard target. That's a heart. Uh, point is, guys. That By the this way, is... rest in what? peace, Wilford Brimley. What a man. What mm -hmm. a man in the yeah. movie Hard Target. Hard what target star. What a mustache. Wilford Brimley. A man, a mustache, oats, Panama. The great thing about that is it's not a palindrome. Not at all. <laughs> nope, it's not. I mean, everybody's made the joke, but when I found out that Wilford Brimley had passed away, obviously I was sad. And then I saw that he passed away at the age of 85, and I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, wasn't he 85 my whole life? <laughs> yeah. Well, he was uh, like 49 or 50 when Cocoon was, uh, uh -huh. was No, no, Canoon, like you were going to say it the first time. Canoon, yeah. the movie about Kundun, the magic canoe when... that makes you young. <laughs> So did uh did somebody did somebody did somebody like fashion Wilford Brimley out of clay and as Paul <laughs> Rudd normally would have gotten older he just stayed the same age but mm -hmm. then Wilford Brimley got older You're right Paul Wilford Brimley and Paul Rudd are in a Dorian Gray type situation yes uh -huh. where all of Paul Rudd's were, age obviously. and sins was were heaped onto Wilford Brimley yeah Guys yeah. guys I forgot guys. about the sins part that's <laughs> That's the crazy part of that story. It's, it's also <laughs> the sins. It's not just the age. It's although you have uh, to imagine Dorian Gray was like hurling himself off buildings to break his portrait's bones, and then he just walk away and go, "See you around, portrait." He called hey. his portrait portrait. Guys, what what normally happens to minis is what is happening to this introduction to this live episode. The point of what we're trying to say is. As a thank you to all who gave to the Max Fun Drive, uh, supporting us, 
And as a final encouragement to those who may be still on the fence, we have we are uh, taking this opportunity to release one of our live shows, uh, one of the best of our live shows. I think the the shows we did in Boston were very good, and we've been hanging on to these for God knows what reason. But now we are releasing them into the wild. If they come back to us, they love us. Uh, and this one is the Alita Battle Angel episode where um, uh, we learn of my purported love for backstory, which uh-huh. is not actually a thing that exists, but has been referenced several times on the show, despite this episode not having come out before now. Let's let the listeners make that yeah. judgment when I'm, they listen to the tapes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Dan listening to this one and being like, oh my god. They've been right all along. Time to make amends to my two friends, Stuart and Elliot, who I have slandered all this time. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, while listening to this episode, why don't you become a battle angel of your own and go to MaximumFun.org slash join, the battle, of course, being the battle against podcasters uh, not making enough to keep their podcast going, and the angel being you, an angel investor who has decided to give us mm, upwards of a hundred thousand uh, dollars. Who knows per month, uh, and from you. Uh, so uh, you can. There's lots of uh, there's lots of good levels that you can donate at, from as little as five dollars a month to as much as. I mean, if you're gonna offer us a hundred thousand dollars a month, we're not gonna turn it down. Uh, I, the, the prizes uh, stop at a certain level, but you can keep going if you want. But uh, we really appreciate it. We are, as always, very humbled that so many of our listeners have decided to show us their appreciation. Uh, This has been a really great Max Fun Drive, and we know, again, as we've said many times, this is a hard time for everybody, a hard target time, not just for Wilford Mm -hmm. Brimley's family, but for all of us. And we appreciate every ounce of support we've gotten from you guys and gals and also non-binary gender-identifying people who are listeners uh, you've been really, really uh, wonderful to us, and we hope you enjoy this episode for now. On this episode, we discuss Alita Battle Angel, live in Boston, Massachusetts! <laughs> Too much. We were in danger of breaking the fire code, but you guys were doing great. I have to admit, I'm guilty of egging them on a little bit. <laughs> you said that as if it was mm-hmm. a pun or something. <laughs> I don't know what. All right. Boston is famous for its eggs. <laughs> hey, everyone, and welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, I'm Stuart Wellington. Over here, Elliot Kalen at the end of the table. What table is this, Dan? Where are we? What's going on? What's happening? Uh, I mean, we are in Boston, as Stuart said, literally moments before. Whether in person or on the podcast, you would have heard I was Boston. Just, that's for people who, like, they started the podcast playing, and then they were like, I gotta use the bathroom. I'll just let it play, and I'll miss the theme song. Uh-huh. And they didn't hear the part where he said, in Boston. Okay. Or people who start the podcast, and they're like, I want the movie that they watch to be a surprise. So they put fingers in their ears, and they go, yeah, 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 yeah. So mm-hmm. it doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's the exact sound that counteracts the sounds of our voice. It doesn't. Yeah, it's scientifically, science. we had a study yeah. done. We had a study done at MIT, <laughs> a regional place. <laughs> Dan, what do we do on this podcast? Do I normally pander about MIT, or is this something we don't usually do? Uh, I don't know about your personal life, but on the show, I've never heard you pander about M- MIT. We are in Boston. We are doing a live show 
uh, where we talk about a bad movie that we watched, or maybe not so bad. We'll see at the end of the night. We watched Alita Battle Angel. Uh-huh. That's right. We're going to be here all night, everybody, till we hash out whether this was a good movie or not. Lock the doors. <laughs> I think no, no, Dan, you just started a WTF episode. Something about coffee and crap in my pants? I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, stamps.com. Yeah. Cats. Who are your guys? Uh, where are you from? Who are you guys? What'd your dad do for a living? <laughs> why, why doesn't Lorne like me? <laughs> Just wow. kidding. I love his show. Stuart. Wow. Stuart, okay. now you took notes on this. Oh, team. man. I did. Um, so the, the movie begins with a logo, a production company logo. Yeah. We're digging in. Now deep, you're waiting apparently. for it. <laughs> no one loves production that, company logos more than Stuart Wellington. <laughs> Is that? It looks like the 20th Century Fox logo, but it's slightly different. That's right, because it's 26th Century Fox. This isn't your daddy's Fox logo. No, it's your great-great-great-great-great-grandson or daughter's Fox logo. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, unless, your da- unless your daddy is James Cameron, in which case it would be. Okay, or if so. your daddy was Kang the Conqueror and he brought it back from the future to you. Uh-huh. But there's only one guy whose daddy is Kang the Conqueror. And that's that weirdo who, who messed with Captain Marvel. I don't like him. Let's not even talk about him anymore. <laughs> I didn't know why you brought him up in the first place. <laughs> the year is 2,563, year of our Lord. Uh, uh, it is 300 it's a movie years. about an angel. Okay, yeah, sure. It is 300 years after the fall. Of course, not after the fall of Lucifer, which happened much, much before yeah. this. Or after the movie The Fall, Elliot's... Uh, One of my uh-huh. favorites. Nor or is this a legend of the fall, as I think we've already covered. It might be 300 years after the last ever fall. Climate change, everybody, am uh, I right? Oh, yeah. Days get shorter. I did, like, you did that as if I... By speaking the idea, I've made it appear. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Deal we, with it, everybody. So we open on a, a giant scrap heap that is underneath a floating city, and we see a scientist digging through that scrap, and he finds a uh, like the half of a, a lady robot, a like young the, woman like robot. Like the head and neck area. The, uh-huh. the, the, and uh, he's like, it's still alive, and he hoists it up in the air, and we ha- it's kind of like our title card, right? Even though we don't have a title card. This is like the opening shot. Yeah, and who's the, the, who's the scientist? The scientist is a fellow named Ito. Uh, he's played, of course, by Christoph Waltz, who is a fine actor. He's fine. What? Whoa! whoa. <laughs> he's not here, right? Stuart had a lot of Stuart had a lot of anti-Christoph Waltz words while we were watching it. He's fine. <laughs> like, it's a why weird, are you like, mad? I said he's fine. <laughs> why are you so like uh, like pugilist, like like belligerent with the audience about Christoph Waltz? Are you afraid they're going to rush the stage? I'm being belligerent with you. Okay, you're texting him. <laughs> Uh, so he takes this living robot back to his house, and he and his assistant build a body for this robot. Uh, she wakes up and checks all of her. The parts. natural thing you do when you find a head. She wakes up. Take and it like, home. She I mean, wakes if up you are like a robotic a... scientist and you find a robot's head, you would probably take it home. Would you? <laughs> now you've in- opened up an interesting question. <laughs> now I have to put myself in. The situation of a robotics scientist in the future. Okay, I'm Christoph Waltz. I, I feel like big... you can play that role. Yeah, okay, I'm thinking I want a very deserved Academy Award and then a not quite as deserved other Academy Award for playing kind of the same character. He's fine, he's great. Uh, then, okay, I'm digging through a trash heap. It's the it's future. It's like Wally, but live action. Floating city, you don't see that every day, except you do these days because it's the future. And I found this thing. This is weird. It's like a person's head. I better call the police. No, wait. 
It's got wires coming out of it. It's a robot's head. If only I knew someone who knew how to build robots. Wait a minute. I know how to build robots. Yeah, I think I would take it home. All right, well, I guess I've uh, been schooled. (laughs) So this young robot wakes up in a little kid's room and starts uh, examining her body. She goes, she rushes downstairs. She's force-fed an orange, what? Lifts up her blankets as if to check that she has all the parts or maybe just her legs. It was weird. It's a little weird. Hey, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a robot. <laughs> so uh, she talks with Ido, and Ido starts to fill in some of the blanks. That he is explains, just what a robot would say, though. It is, except the robot would have been like, I'm not a robot, beep boop. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, give me some oil, dudes. <laughs> maybe he's saving the beep boop for later. Yeah. So Ido begins to fill in the blanks for her, and he also, she doesn't remember anything. She doesn't even have a name. Of course, he jumps at that opportunity and names her Alita, and we're like, whoa, did you already have that just sitting there in the front of your memory banks? And at this point, it's clarified that, like, she has a a human brain, right? Which I guess was somehow preserved in the junk heap that she was in? In her magic And let's talk a little bit about this robot. Oh, Stuart just stood up. He's going to school this audience now, on... I don't know on what, actually. I don't want to spend too much time talking about the design of this robot. Uh, it is clearly digitally enhanced. She has very accentuated features. You might call her a brattle angel. I don't know. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, Scattered applause. <laughs> Uh, so she's, she's striking. Uh, by that, you're saying that she has large eyes in, a, in her head. Yeah. Her eyes are digitally larger than a person's eyes would be. Yeah, and it, which is at first unnerving, but you get used to it. You get used to, to it. it. It's like it's if you fine. met a Disney princess on the street, at first you'd be like, oh. <laughs> your eyes take up two-thirds of your head. But over time, as you got to know her, maybe fall in love with her, you'd come to not just get used to and tolerate that, but come to love it as something that's special to her and only her and her race, Disney princesses. <laughs> and eventually you'd be like, you know what? I just hope that my children get this when they're born. And when they do, they'll have one regular eye and one giant Disney princess eye. And you're like, no, it's the worst of all possible combinations. Why'd you do this to us, Gregor Mendel? (laughs) That's one for the college students in the audience. Uh, Again, we don't have much time. Okay, so... She's named Alita. She wanders around with Ido as he introduces her to this place, uh, Iron City, part of the, like, scrap heap that is underneath a floating city called Zalem, which is kind of like this beautiful uh, paradise in the clouds that they all wish they could be part of. But instead, they live in Iron City, which is actually pretty nice. Iron City is supposed to be, like, kind of this, like, junkyard slum, but to be honest, it's like... It's, it's pretty... It's as bright as a Fanta commercial. It's like the, a part of Brooklyn that is most of the way gentrified, but not totally gentrified. And so the back in the background, you have like a few people who have like robot parts and they look really futuristic. Just like Brooklyn. Yeah. But then you've got yep. mostly people with like t-shirts and jeans who are just kicking it, walking around. There are great sidewalk cafes. I'm sure there's a used bookstore. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of uh, crowd shots in this movie where you'll see, it'll be just like a guy in a regular jersey, just like hanging out watching motorball, but we'll get to that. So she's, uh, he gives her a quite an info dump. He explains all about this situation. Uh, he introduces her to a young, handsome scamp named Hugo, uh, who's like your regular urchin, right? A regular urchin boy. Yeah, he's like... He drives a... A regular urchin. Yeah, lives in the sea, spiny, his eggs are delicious. <laughs> a lot of umami. Dri- drives a motorized or, unicycle, just like Brooklyn. <laughs> I mean, to be or, honest... 
or he wears a top hat and encourages you to pick pockets. That's the other. That's the other kind of urchin. Basic yes. urchin. Yeah, basic, basic urchin. He's real basic bitch urchin. Yeah, <laughs> he's like he's like a he's like a handsome little bit bad boy who who sells robot parts and yeah rides that motorized unicycle yeah yeah and we're like we're also introduced that the only police force in this town are these like giant robot things called centurions uh we're introduced to a character named uh chiron i believe who is a medical professional who is ito's ex-wife uh and they talk a little bit about how they lost a child they lost a daughter together what what was wait what was her name wait a minute her name was also, Alita. What a coincidence. <laughs> what a strange it's coincidence. Pretty, it must be a pretty common name. Yeah. And it's not at all weird to name a robot after your... No, I don't and what, and what? I don't know about how people deal with trauma. And what other it. surprisingly common profession do we learn about? Uh, uh, we learn about the hunter warriors. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yes, I believe so. So instead, in lieu of a police force, if people commit crimes of, I guess, a pretty extreme nature, uh, they they get a little wanted poster, and then people can take out a contract to go and murder them and chop off their head and make money. So like the bounty, the bounty is only collectible with death, and you take your head to a little talking like soda can robot who's like, <laughs> why are you here? Like it's the most Wizard of Oz moments in the whole movie. And then you drop the head in a slot and they're like, here are your credits. <laughs> like, that's pretty much it. Do you think people ever like, you know, like how in like old cartoons they have like a little slug that they put on a like, on string? Yeah, yeah. And like uh, get, get sodas that way. Like people have like a head on a string that they pull the head back out afterwards. They, like people have been getting credits on one head for have years. You, uh, Probably, have you, have yeah. Have you ever tried that trick? Uh, me? Yeah. I mean, I'm not from the 20s, no, but... Okay. Or, I mean, with a head. Have I mean, oh, with a head? Yes. yes, I have. Yeah, I put have a head on a string. Yeah. Just trying to get you to yes and this bit. Um. Here's the thing you need to know about Dan. He's the only one of the three of us who has had improv training, I think, and yet he never yes ands. Because, frankly, the things you say are absurd. <laughs> You're Only right. A I'm lunatic so <laughs> would say yes to the things you say. Uh, you're right. I apologize. <laughs> so, uh, so Ido is talking to Kyron, who is played by who is his ex-wife, and she's played by Jennifer Connelly, and she's great. And she is apparently trying to buy her way into Zalem, which is Ido doesn't believe is possible, uh, and she's trying to buy her way through the help of a fellow named Vector, who runs Motorball. <laughs> Tell there's, us about there's a lot of information here. Tell I us, wade through it all. We uh, also learn of a dude named Zapan, and we learn about that there's no guns. Uh, sounds kind of nice, actually. Uh, and more about the hunter warriors. This no guns thing will uh, will make more sense of what happens later, which is all of the weapons seem to be either sword based or chains that people throw at people based. Yeah, it's yeah. All, it's like an entire world that only knows samurais and Ghost Rider. <laughs> Oh, man, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So uh, Alita goes running off through the streets, and she bumps into her pal Hugo, who he and his pals are playing a game called Motorball, which involves riding around on uh, rocket-powered roller skates. I think rocket-powered is a bit much motorized. they're They're like, yeah, they're like... Pushing a button in their hand and it shoots them around. Now, how does this motorball <laughs> compared to, say, a roller ball? It's pretty similar. I mean, <laughs> roll. I mean, there's a ball and they roll, and there's only one robot that I know of involved. But later on, there's a lot of robots. So, did I answer your question? <laughs> Case closed, counselor. So we get we get a scene that's uh, like a little bit of a romantic courtship because Alita clearly, from the first moment she laid her giant eyes on him, is in love with Hugo. I mean, he's a dreamboat. And he kind of is interested in her, but, you know, he's a little girl. But he's also kind of like the first non-dad 
dude she sees. Like, she kind of imprints upon him like a a baby duck, like, a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a good point, yeah. As soon as she sees him, she goes, oh, want that. (laughs) Yeah, uh uh-huh, yeah. And that all, I mean, that kind of drives her narrative for the rest of the movie, but we'll get to that. So she, uh, she rides around. She is much better at motorball than anyone else. Uh, and she, let's see, we, what other things do we learn? We learn that there is somebody going around Iron City murdering people. Uh, she suspects that it's her father for because he's covered in blood at one point. <laughs> I mean, come on, who is it? <laughs> it's inside all of us. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, Stuart. It usually stays inside. If it is covering, I mean, if you're doing it right, you, I guess. Kind of but... <laughs> It's so, very rare that like you just spring a leak and it just gets on you, like a pen broke or something. So Ido dons the Ido dons the garb of uh, what we will later learn to be a hunter warrior, which is a cool black leather duster and a giant like preacher's hat. <laughs> and he's got this enormous unwieldy reaper. Yeah, I mean he's, he's like a rocket powered hammer. Like, yeah, reaper hammer that's like basically like the size of like Ronan the Accuser's hammer. Yeah, but he's just Christoph Waltz. Like walking around with him, like a normal dude. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like like I, you if you were going to a store and you're like, oh, I mean, I need a I think- weapon to go like kill evil like cyborgs. You, I think you would choose something that you could like wield easily. Something that wasn't twice your height. Exactly. So that you could get it through doorways. Exactly. Like let's say this, you're a hunter killer. You know there's a bounty on a guy. Hunter warrior. Hunter warrior. Sorry, you're a hunter warrior. Sorry, I denobilized it. Uh, you you have find a bounty on a guy who's like four T stops away, local. And thank you. You know what? You're not gonna make it there in time if you walk. You're gonna have to take the train. How are you gonna get that thing through the doors? The doors keep closing on your big scythe hammer. Everyone on the train is like, come on, can we speed it up? Let's go, guys. It reminds me of a time. <laughs> yep. I was on the New York City subway, a crowded train, and yeah, boo, boo, oh, the MTA, boo. boo. I mean, actual city. I mean, no. Oh, oh, oh. Man. wow. Heel turn, heel turn, oh, heel yeah. turn. The uh, a guy brought on an entire uh, an entire bookcase made out of uh, you know those. Uh, like a rector set type metal pieces. Uh-huh, yeah. Took up a lot of space. And this other guy standing next to him was going, Hey, what are you thinking, pal? Come on, what are you doing? Hey! And then... Uh, the that next guy stop, was one of the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> and at the next stop, the heckler got off and he goes, This is going to be the best part. And as he walks off the train, I hear him say, Hey, check out the numbnuts with the shelves. <laughs> and that is New York in a nutshell. <laughs> Wait, he also he hype manned his own closing remark. Yes, he said this is going to be the best part, and he was getting the most joy out of announcing to the people who are about to get on the train that there's some idiot, a numbnuts in his word, a man whose nuts have no feeling. They are numb, whether through cold or nerve damage, I don't know. That, to the point that it's affected his thinking, and he doesn't know that it's stupid to bring a whole set of shelves onto a crowded subway train, and so. I would say to Christoph Waltz, try a smaller weapon. <laughs> so, uh... I, Thank you. Un, 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 unearned. Totally unearned. And that's the weapon monologue. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it turns out that uh, Alita's fears were for naught because her father figure, Ito, is not a murderer. No, no, no. He just kills people as a hunter-warrior. And she interrupts his attempt to catch some prey, which is in uh, a bunch of all-metal people with human faces. 
uh, and they have a cool fight. And she kills them all and has a kills all but one of them and has this triggered memory where she's on the moon and she's fighting people and jumping around. And it's crazy. Uh, And then the she's obviously some kind of battle bot. Yeah, she's clearly a battle bot. She kicks the arm off of Comedy Central battle bot. Yeah, she's just like a flat disc with one saw on it. And she's just bumping into a wall over and over again while the play-by-play announcers try desperately to make it seem entertaining. Now, how does she feel about yanking cranks? Here's the thing. She is pro-crank yanking when it's done by a puppet or artificial human. Okay. When done by a meat puppet, a biological human, she considers it offensive. Okay. Yeah. Checks out. Anyway, Stuart? By the way, if anyone has seen any cranks that are in need of yanking, contact Comedy Central, care of Viacom Entertainment, uh, care of Dan McCoy. Show's coming back, baby, for some reason. Uh, what's, so, what's better? What better time for a prank call show than an era where nobody picks up their phone if they don't recognize the number? <laughs> it, it's calling out for it. <laughs> Someone just, Ca- someone... Caller ID says crank yankers. Yeah. <laughs> the caller ID that, says, that can't be right. It I says mean, rude just, puppet. I, I better mean, pick it up. At this, at this point, every time I answer a call, my crank is being yanked by someone who wants to sell me some sort of vehicle insurance for a vehicle I don't own. So uh-huh. I've been yanked. Anyway. <laughs> it says, it says, I've been yanked. I'm Dan McCoy. <laughs> for the yanked, it's me. My caller ID says that's boys, the, the comma, card book speaker for the yanked. <laughs> Sorry, you're saying Stuart. So what I was saying is, uh, there's one giant, weird-looking robot named Grewishka. Grewishka. Who gets his arm kicked off, and he's like, oh, I'll never forget you, and then jumps down a hole. This, now, this is something Grewishka is going to continue to do, is get his ass handed to him, and then yell, Grewishka will remember this, and run away. Uh, okay, so at this point, uh, we then cut back uh, into a beautiful high-rise, where we see Vector and Kyron having a conversation. Uh, Vector, of course, played by Mahershala Ali, another Oscar winner. And I, I, this is a very stacked cast, by the way. Yeah, yeah the cast is very good. I mean, for a movie with a big budget, they could afford great actors. And he has a performance we'll get to later in the movie that I think is a genuinely great scene on uh-huh. his part. So uh, Growishka shows up. His arm's been kicked off. He ain't happy about it. He's like, oh, I'm going to kill that Lita. Uh, meanwhile, all of a sudden, he starts acting weird, and it appears like he is being controlled by someone else. And we're introduced to yet another character named Nova. That's it. Your eyes go blue and Nova can control you. Uh, he also can control Vector. Uh, okay. I guess, I guess seems that's that. He seems to be like boss. the big bad guy. Yeah. And everybody can't stop talking about Alita. Uh, we now, uh, Alita and Hugo go on a date to the Motorball Stadium where a bunch of robots ride around on a track and break each other and try and carry a ball somewhere. The ball is not that important. Now, when when you say robots, I just want to clarify, they are mostly cyborgs, yeah, they're cyborgs. human heads, but entirely robot bodies, and their arms have, like, big blades and buzz saws, which makes me wonder, what are these guys doing when it's not motorball time? Like, what are they, what are they doing with all those buzz saws when it's think, not time to fight? Do you think they stick their head on a different body? Like, like normally when I'm not motorballing, I like my head to be on a gardener bot body. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I could see that. I like to be in a body that's a saw blade or just a, like a like a triangle of wood that can flip other bots over. <laughs> oh, you're saying so they get more battle body. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. By yeah. the way, those streets are tough, Elliot. <laughs> By the way, for anyone who did not watch Alita before the show, like having watched Alita, 
I flash on when Stuart is telling about the movie to like, this must be how anyone who does not care about science fiction feels when someone tries to explain a science fiction thing. And they're like, because then Vector is in charge of the motorball and Alita goes there. I'm like, oh God, just stop it. Just, I'll, whatever, whatever you're selling to me, I'll buy it. I don't... It reminds me of the time Tom Brokaw wouldn't stop talking to me about Dune. Okay. <laughs> uh, hey, what, uh, Elliot, here's the gist of the story. It's the tale of Paul Atreides, young heir to House Atreides, and how he manages to win the war for Arrakis, not by dominating the planet, but by losing himself in the culture of the Freeman. It's spelled Fremen, and so for quite some time, I thought it was pronounced Fremen. Now, the interesting thing about the book, uh, yeah. although all of it is interesting, uh, Tom, is... Tom, Tom, we have another show tonight. <laughs> I'll be happy to tell them about Dune as well. <laughs> Greatest hits. Stu, take it away. So... <laughs> Uh, Hugo has a conversation with Vector at the Motorball Arena, and Vector gets him and his crew of buddies to don masks and attack uh, another Motorball guy and chop off his arm so they can get his precious grind cutter. We'll be seeing more of that later. Which is like he can, he, there's like blades at the end of chains that, he has like finger chain blades that fly out. His fingers turn into chain blades that fly out. I mean, everybody knows what a grind cutter is. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot. I forgot this was Boston. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Or I'm sure a grind cutter is a kind of sandwich. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they'd like, they like jump this dude and chop his arms off. It's really messed up. Uh, okay, <laughs> the next day, Hugo and his friends, including Alita, go on a date into the Badlands where they find an Erm warship that has been <laughs> crash landed. Now, you're probably wondering, what's this Erm Stewart's talking about? The whole time, Dan was like, tell me more about Erm. It's making my worm squirm. <laughs> this was a big argument we had during the thing because it becomes clear that Alita is one of these Erm who... It's like the United Republic of Mars or something. Yeah, they were the ones... Yeah, Erm, dude. <laughs> they were the ones that Earth was fighting that led to the fall. And I'm like, all through the movie, I'm like, this is going to be addressed at some point, right? That she's one of these erm? Like, this is going to happen? Like, it's going to cause a conflict, yeah. This is because, as I was saying to Dan, it's like he was watching Star Wars, and Luke says, you fought with my father in the Clone Wars? And Dan was like, why won't they stop and tell me more about the Clone Wars? I'm enjoying this adventure that, too much. I want a history lesson. That would make sense if Luke had fought in the Clone Wars, and they never mentioned it again. Our main character then how about this? You are part of the enemy combatants, and it's never addressed! So here, so here Dan, okay... Let's say this. Let's say we're less than 300 years from the Revolutionary War, Boston. And let's say, let's say out of hibernation, a British soldier, a Tory or somewhat, yeah. appeared. Would people would be like, get the fuck out of here, dude. We fought you away. They'd be like, hey, what's going on? Take off that like? bearskin cap. Yeah. They'd be like, hey, what's going on? We, we don't what hold 300-year grudges. What if that Tory well, was from another planet and they were the last one? How about that, Elliot? I'd want to meet them even more, Dan. <laughs> so this is what you're saying. You are... You are William Goldman watching The Big Lebowski and going, I can't wait to see this bowling championship. That is not what I am saying. I just want one line addressing, like, either, like, oh, you know what? I was an erm, but, like, your earthways have converted me, or 
uh, being I forget what the other thing is. I don't care. The point is, <laughs> we were watching it and we argued about it, and it was the like the the closest I've come to being actually angry at. I Apple thought Apple. I thought Dan was gonna quit the show. He was so mad that I did not agree with him, and that there should have been more urm talk. The thing it was Dan, 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 comically dismissive of me. Dan, the thing is, you're not the only person who's interested in the urm stuff because. Alita is also interested <laughs> as she sneaks aboard the Erm ship and finds a robot body, which we learn is a berserker body, an ultimate killing machine body, which her father is like, I'm not putting your fucking head on that thing. That's crazy. Which, to be fair, if, if my son came to me and said, hey, I found this cool robot monster body, will you put my brain in? I would be like, no. <laughs> That, when you turn 18, what you want to do with your body is your business. But as long as you live under my roof, you are not putting your brain in a monster body. I mean, again, to be, again, to be fair, you're primarily known for writing for The Daily Show, writing for Mystery Science Theater, the upcoming saloon. Uh, you are not really known for putting brains in anybody's. That's true. I would also say I'm not qualified to do this work. Yeah. Yeah. But when you turn 18, if you want me to do it, I will do my best because I love you and I respect your life choices when you turn 18. Okay. Look, if you want to body mod yourself like crazy, get one of those lizard tongues. I don't know. When you're 18. And Alita's basically a teenager, so she runs off, uh, puts on a cool-ass duster, <laughs> goes to, uh, she goes to the Hunter Killer Academy or wherever the fuck it is. It's like, it's like a church, okay. It's I like guess. the city hall and also the building where Vector has his offices. It's the one yeah. nice skyscraper in town. Yeah, so she goes there and she signs up. She becomes a hunter warrior. Uh, and then she, and with Hugo, uh, Hugo in tow, head to a bar called Kansas Bar. I don't know why. That's filled with hunter warriors, uh, including a fellow named Zapan, who has a human face and a little metal beard and a sword that... <laughs> Alita likes. There's also uh, actor Jeff Fahey is playing a bounty hunter who has a metal beard as well and a bunch of metal dogs. Well, and he's dressed up it's, like a cowboy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he disappears from the movie way too fast because he's fuck, fucking yeah, Jeff Fahey. Yeah, you want to watch a movie about him. I get yeah. it. I mean, it's hard to see a character who is a cyborg sheriff with cyborg dogs in your movie and not be like, we found the star of the movie, everybody. <laughs> yeah. The same way that in Bright, that centaur-mounted policeman cop shows up yeah. and you're like... Finally, the movie. <laughs> and then he just walks off screen or whatever. So Alita goes there and she antagonizes all the hunter warriors. She's like, you got to help me find this guy, Gruwishka. And they're like, who? He's not, there's not even a bounty on his head. And she's like, wow, somebody's protecting him. They don't care. It's a weird moment. She's like, who stands with me in this fight? And they're like, well, yeah. I don't even know what the fight is. And I've been watching you since you woke up. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So uh, Ito shows up as well. And then, of course, Gruwishka shows up. And just like Jason X, he's gotten an upgrade because he's got a grind cutter for an arm. And I think his body is painted slightly different. And he uses his grind cutter to kill the only really cool character in the movie. That's right, the tiny little dog who followed Alita. You don't see it. It's off camera, but it's still sad. Alita's, Alita takes it well by smearing the dog's blood's face on her. Yeah, she takes the dog's blood and smears it under her eyes like... Put me in, coach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she uh, she's like, okay, Grushka, let's battle. And he's like, I got this new thing. And they're like, wow. And then he <laughs> he opens a hole in the ground. And he's like, I'll remember you always. And jumps in the hole. And she's like, well, I'm coming after you, dude. And then he tells her the story about how he was like down at me. Like he lives in the hole and he loves being in the hole. <laughs> And this dude, this dude Nova found him and, like, brought him out of the hole, and he's like, cool. Uh, so they battle, and that's Lita's very, like... That's entirely accurate, by the way. <laughs> it's pretty much the story he tells. 
and so he like chases I, her, throwing these fingers at her. And I just realized if you him. if you want to imagine Grewishka, here's a common cultural reference. It's Overt Kill, the cyborg with a human head from Spawn. Okay, done. Now you cool. know what he looks like. So she's running away from these fingers. He keeps throwing them at her. And eventually she's like, I'm done running. I'm going to beat you up. So she jumps at him and she's doing this cool corkscrew thing that's part of her cyborg martial arts called Panzerkunst. I forgot to mention that, but it's okay. <laughs> and she's flying through the air and there's all these fingers flying at her. And all of a sudden her body just comes apart because she got caught in the razor fingers. Yeah, You're could. like, whoa, Alita's dead? The movie's going to be over? Not so fast, because she throws herself up in the air and punches him in the eyeball and breaks her own arm off. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> She's a torso with one arm, and she lands on that arm and, like, holds herself up by it and then just, like, goes, wham! Uh-huh. And, like, I used to think... <laughs> I used that was, to a, think that was that a little physical stuff for the people at home. Yeah. I used to think that Oro in Street Fighter 3 Third Strike was cool because he was able to fight against guys like Ryu and all those guys with only one arm, but she doesn't even have legs. It's crazy. <laughs> Okay, so her body's totally destroyed. Ito takes her, and he's like, I guess I got only one option. And he sticks her head in the berserker body, which uh, conforms uh, to, like, the shape that she wants, I guess, because it's full of nanomachines or something. Yeah, she, there's, a, there's, a whole, there's a whole fake made-up science thing where, oh, her brain is psychically changing it to her image, nanobots. Yeah, and it's like... Starts- you just have to imagine Christoph Waltz looking at the lines in the script and being like, how do I make this work? Yeah. How do I act this nonsense gibberish? I'm going to fight back against Elliot's uh, libel that I want more like gibberish exposition, which is to say... You that, said like, it with your own mouth. With, you no, wanted I'm, more talk about this 300-year-ago war that no one cares about. I, it's a character thing. I wanted a character... But the point is... <laughs> I'm just going, hmm, about the urm. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. One of the best movies I think of last year, or was that earlier this year? The favorite. They don't even tell you what war she's fighting, and that was a real war. They could have filled you with Spanish Spanish succession facts, and yet they said we don't need it. This is a story about the characters, not about the history. Not actually an accurate analogy, but anyway, the point is, uh, I would like for the people who are staying for both shows. Uh, God bless you, and God keep Godzilla you. Godzilla bless and, uh, you. Second show, and uh, your maniacs. But um. Like, Godzilla, that movie is a movie where they waste way, way, way too much time on, like, science gibberish. And you would like to visit the same plague upon the house of Alita. No, I'm saying that, like, by and large, Alita's very good at being, like, uh, I don't know, nanomachines, whatever. And then we just keep on rolling. <laughs> That's true. That's so, in, true. so in this new body, Alita seems to be a little more confident. She wears cooler outfits. Um, she Got, like, a Flashdance shirt that's off one shoulder. Yeah, and she, like, she and Hugo kind of, I don't want to say consummate their romance, but they, like, kiss and touch, and it's cool. Is this when she's sitting he's, in his window but watching that, can him I, sleep? I, I need to really clearly state that oh. she is way too good for him. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's clear from the beginning that he's trash. And she's a smash. Yeah. <laughs> what? Did you did you write that down before the show? I did not, okay. but I should have, because I would have come up with a better rhyme. Okay. <laughs> so as I said before, everybody can't stop talking about Alita. If she's not on screen, people are talking about her. And so Vector is talking about it. He's poop. like, I need to kill Alita. Nova wants me to do it. So he decides to put the squeeze on Hugo, who works for him, chopping up robots. 
to do something. We don't know exactly what, but Hugo believes that if he gives Vector enough money, he'll be able to buy his way into Z- uh, Zalem. He buys way into heaven. It's crazy. And we know that's silly. Everybody, multiple people have this same fantasy that if they pay this guy enough money, they'll get to go up and live in heaven. Basically. I mean, it's it's a fantasy that many real-life people have, which is crazy, <laughs> because the heaven book they read is exceedingly clear that that is not the way to get into heaven. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they got a secret heaven book that says, money, 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 please. <laughs> So Alita wakes Hugo up, who is sleeping off a hangover, and he's looking pretty smoking, I guess. Oh, shirt off, trail, you know, everything. Uh, so she is sitting in his windowsill like a bird of prey. And they come up, they hatch a scheme together. She's like, here, you can just sell my heart. And he's like, for a rare moment, he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not going to sell your robot heart. Let's find a different way. And she's like, I'll just kill a bunch of people for you, and you can take the money. He's like, no, no, no. Why don't you earn the money for both of us by playing motorball? And we, the audience, are like, fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I, uh, let's make it clear. I'm not asking for more exposition, Elliot. But, but this movie does bring up a lot of stuff about human-robot relationships that it does not, <laughs> does not make clear. Dan, you, Dan kept saying throughout the movie while we were watching it, how do they have sex? <laughs> Dan, they've got it. the same thing when I was watching Cars. <laughs> and I'll tell you the same thing I said about Cars. They have attachments for that. All right. So, just uh, check my notes. You were, you were, you wanted the scene where she says, and warning to anyone who's listening with children, you wanted the scene where she says, uh, she says to him, uh, Hugo, I can only do mouth stuff. <laughs> And that scene, and, oh, and also let me tell you about Look, Erm. Look, it would have cleared up a lot for me. <laughs> Hugo, let me go over the sex rules for me. Also, here's what Erm was all about and how I feel about it. <laughs> anyway, I guess we don't have time for me to play motorball anymore. <laughs> Give me the DVD with the deleted scenes. I'll eat them up. So, uh, Alita suits up to play some motorball. Uh, meanwhile, Vector is uh, setting her up. He's got a team of people to murder her instead of worrying about the ball, which seems to be everybody's case. Um, <laughs> Her father, though disapproving, supports her and gives her some cool roller skate feet. Uh, meanwhile, while she's riding around on the track receiving phone calls from everybody, uh, Hugo goes to find his Hugo goes to find his uh, scrapper crew, and they're uh, ripping the arms and legs off of some poor guy. Uh, and a rival bounty, uh, what, hunter warrior, Zapan, who was made fun of and mocked for his little metal beard, mm-hmm. uh, shows up. the one up. with the super cool sword. Yep, he shows up. He uh, frames Hugo for murder and then kills Hugo's friend and chases him around. Uh, Alita, finding out that Hugo's in trouble, leaves the motorball track and, like, kills a bunch of motorball people. It's pretty cool. Um, and then <laughs> she shows up, saves Hugo for a second, and then... Uh, Zapan, the evil hunter warrior, is like, you gotta kill Hugo. He's a, he's a criminal. There's They're a bounty evil. on his head. And of course, uh, she can't do that because she loves him. So uh, Zapan just stabs him, which Dan's like, why did you let that happen, Alita? And we're he like, was so it's mad part at of Alita. The movie. He was so, he's like, Alita, just take care of it well, he, before he kills him. Just kill Zapan. And I was like, Dan. That's part of the doing... learning process. That... Like, everybody has to watch it's their first boyfriend clear get stabbed this guy's in the stomach. a bad guy who's going to stab him. It's like Dan is so falling for the trap the movie has set. I was like, Dan, you are reacting exactly the way. Dan's like, 
like, this movie's busted. And I'm like, you're busted, Dan. You're doing exactly what the movie wants you to do. You're a puppet of the movie. Elliot, if Alita had only listened to me through the movie, none of the sad stuff would have happened. He is the guy in the movie theater who's yelling, don't go in there, not knowing that if the character takes his advice, the movie is over and the you fun will be gone. You lost childish sense of wonder, sir. So Alita runs <laughs> off with a... <laughs> You know, my childish sense of wonder about what happened in the Urn War. And if you were wondering about what's happened to Hugo now that he's been stabbed, well, Alita carries him off, and then she runs into Chiron, who shows up for some reason, and surgically removes Hugo's head and connects his head to Alita's heart, which I think is symbolism, guys. Uh, but that allows, uh, that allows Alita to reveal to the robots that she chop his head off and they're like oh bounty accumulated and then the evil hunter warrior's like uh but wait what what and he tries to stop her and the robots are like oh you can do whatever you want to this dude and she's like thanks and takes his sword and chops half his face off <laughs> and she keeps his sword okay boom we're almost done we're in the <laughs> home stretch okay so uh alita goes after vector uh and then uh, Gruishka shows up, and she just totally smokes him. He's a total wimp. Uh, and Vector's like, oh, I hope I have another robot. But it also, uh, hold on, I, it also, I know I'm doing what you hate, but it also turns out that Jennifer Connelly, who wanted to get up to the Sky City, <laughs> oh, yeah. has been harvested for organs. Apparently that's the only way you can actually get up. Well, and she, that she was supposed to turn in Alita yeah. to get there, but in fact, uh, be, her being a mother herself once upon a time, she couldn't do it. And uh -huh. so she has turned on her evil captors and now Ooh. had her organs pulled out of her body. Yeah, yeah, so now her, she's a brain in a jar. And, and yeah. Vector keeps them in a case in his office. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. also hey, an Alita. Hey, my brain. Alita is fighting all these bad guys on the ground floor, and Vector's like, uh-oh, what do I do? And then Alita bursts through the ceiling, and it was like, did she run up all the stairs? <laughs> He's like, you might think that with a name like Vector, I would understand angles. <laughs> a math joke. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so she murders that robot, and then, like, all of a sudden, Vector starts talking with Nova's voice. Nova's the big bad, remember, and he starts talking some sass, and she sasses back. And then eventually she stabs him in the belly, and then we get a great scene this where Mahershala Ali has to play a guy whose body is dying but is controlled by someone. It's pretty cool. His, his body is dying, but he has the voice and personality of this confident villain who is taunting the hero. And I was like, this is really good, this is really good work, that, the way, what he's doing here. Not a joke. So, so it turns out he's a great actor. I don't know, guys. Hey, have you know. heard about this? I don't know. Now I guess I got to go see Moonlight. Uh. <laughs> So we, uh, we find out that in, in his dying moments, well, I guess not dying moments, but Nova has sent robots after, uh, uh, after Hugo, who in fact isn't dead. He's been attached to a robot, and Hugo has gone running off, and we learn that Hugo it's is like trying to... climbing a pipe to the sky. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to climb his way to Zalem. There's these big space elevator cables up, up to Zalem, and uh, there, earlier we saw a flashback where... Alita, or there's that flat, no, the, the, where there's Alita's fighting her way up the cables to Zalem, and there's like a big spinning blade that comes down cutting things up, and now Hugo's climbing up there. Uh oh. Alita chases after him, and she's like, don't do it, dude. And he's like, I'll do whatever I want. And uh, the, I'm Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> the Nothing giant spinning me. blade. I comes. died and came back. 
the the giant spinning blade comes flying down, and he's like, "I can jump over this super easy." Not so fast, sir. And he gets chopped into little pieces. She jumps after him. She catches him, but his arm breaks, and he falls. And, and turns out there's nothing funnier than seeing a limbless head fall, like a little, like. Arms not in waving. No, not in not endorsed. This is opinion is not no, endorsed no, no, by the rest no. of the Flophouse. I'm, I'm not making fun of any like real thing that has wow. happened. Making in the it world. worse. I'm th- making fun of a robot man who has been chopped up, who's falling. This is not going to age well in our post-human oh, future. What have I done? So Alita survives and she vows vengeance. She's going to find a way to Zalem, and the only way she can do it is by. I guess playing more motorball. So she shows up to the motorball stadium. She does some, uh, she, you know, strikes a pose. She points her sword at the floating city. And on the floating city, we see why Nova was so confident. That's right, because he's played by Edward Norton <laughs> with a white mullet. <laughs> it is, it is. <laughs> it is what? Interesting how fully putting like little little uh, steampunk glasses and a bleach job on Edward Norton disguises him. Because yeah, yeah. it is not until he takes the glasses off that we're like, holy shit. I'm, it's I'm, the original <laughs> Incredible Hulk. Uh, no, not at all, Dan. Not at all. Not at all. He's not even the original Incredible Hulk in the movies, Dan. That's Eric Bana. <laughs> Lou Ferrigno predates both of them. Uh, I knew that would anger you. Yeah. (laughs) Now I know what it's like when someone doesn't tell me enough about Erm. And they're clearly setting this movie up for a sequel. So now this is where we close the book on Alita colon paddling. The big leather-bound volume. That's right, because it was based on books. Books that I read some of in preparation for this. And what did you learn from those books? Yeah, let's talk about final judgments now. This is where we make final judgments on whether this was a good movie, bad movie, or a movie we kind of liked. I, you know, I like the books quite a bit. I think they're a little, they're certainly a little weirder. They're filled with a lot of cyborgs that clearly have made strong life choices. And I, I, I kind of like the, in the movie, like a big part of the movie is the relationship between Hugo and Alita. And they make him a little redeemable in this. Like he's a, he's a jerk idiot, but he's not like a murderer. And in the, in the comics, he's basically a murderer and doesn't care about her at all. But her like wide-eyed love for him is so, like it feels so real because... Like when you're young, you're dumb and you make bad decisions and you you love people who don't deserve it. Um, But I, all that aside. Yeah, you okay, Stu? Is there anything you want to talk about? Oh, oh. Can I I tell you who my guys are? (laughs) Uh, Tell me me about the beat we had at the Laugh Factory. But we've, I mean, it's, it's fast. There's a lot of information in there and not, there's probably too much information, except the Erm stuff. I don't want to talk about that. But, I mean, the motorball stuff's great, and uh, the actors are fun, and Christoph Waltz is fine. So I would say, I say this is a movie I like. Like, this is, I, I mean, yeah, this is definitely a movie I like. Yeah, I, the, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a movie I love. Yeah, yeah, people loved it, people loved it. I was, I'll, I'll admit it, I was ready to go into this movie not liking it. Because I found the giant eyes so off-putting, and I was like, "This movie's not big eyes. What's going on?" Uh, or big fish? A big fish would have big eyes too. <laughs> or big with Tom Hanks. 
Uh-huh. Your eyes didn't really get that much bigger when he got big. Well, yeah, because your eyes are just kind of the same size throughout yeah. your life, I guess. But anyway, so, uh, but after I got over the fact that Alita doesn't have a whole lot of personality at first, uh, I also really liked it in the end. It, the uh, I found that there are a lot of good action scenes in it. Uh, I liked some of the characters that is, and the design work looks real cool. Here's and, although, it's, br- and it's and bright. it's brightly colored. It's like not gray and like grim and and dark looking. You're not watching, I don't know, giant monsters fight in dark, snowy scenes. Save it for the late show. <laughs> but I will say this. So I did like this movie, but Hollywood, I'm going to throw down the gauntlet. I want you to find me a new set of iconographies for future cities. Let's put Blade Runner aside. It's beautiful. It's not doesn't really work for me as a movie, but it works for me very well as a coffee table book. Let's put that later aside. Let's set Road Warrior aside with all the letter and the spikes and chains. That's great, but let's set it aside. I want you to think about a new vision of the future, because as much as I liked Alita, there were times where I'd been like... Aside from Wakanda, right? Wakanda's a step in the right direction, because at least it moves away. We've had a solid 30 years of future equals Asian, which is great, but I've seen a lot of it. Wakanda's like future equals Africa. Great. I love it. Let's see more of that. But hey... What about like a really crazy future? It's supposed to be 300 years in the future. What are pe- And the people's phones, they don't look that cool. And I know in 300 years, people are going to have super cool phones. So Hollywood, next time you make a future movie, think about how cool the phones should be. But that aside, I like <laughs> you've, it. So. You've been Elliot Kalen. Yeah. For the Flophouse, I'm Elliot Kalen. Good night, everybody. No, Dan, you have to talk, right? <laughs> that could be the name of the podcast. <laughs> Dan, you have to talk, right? Uh, yeah, I liked it. It was good. Like, so on a scale from zero to ten erms, how many erms would you give it? Uh, seven erms. I gave okay. it seven erms. It was like a little too convoluted, a little too long, but I liked it. Um, but let's move on. We uh, usually take some questions from the audience uh, to close out the show. We have to be a little more uh, tight-assed about like uh, shutting it down this keep time. It, yeah, keep it There's quick. There's a microphone there. Right there. Uh, so we're going to need to see a mad dash scramble to get yeah. over there if you, you want to ask your questions. Because we don't have a lot of time to we waste. We have 15 minutes. We don't have a lot of time to eat up. And you know what that means. We don't have time for a song tonight. We don't have time for a rhyme tonight. We don't have time to eat limes tonight. I'm sorry, there's just no time. If I had the time, I'd sing you a song so loud and so long, oh, I got so proud and so strong. For my flight I'd tomorrow. sing you that song, but we just don't have that uh, Delta or JetBlue. Oh, JetBlue. Yeah. I wish we had hours and hours of time. I wish we had hours, <sighs> hours to be together. But we don't. Question number one, please. All right, let's hear it. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Well, hey, people seem to like that no, song. No. Okay, question number one, please. My name is Carl, last name withheld. Hi, Carl, Hello. thanks for being here. Hey. Uh, one of my favorite old Flophouse bits was in ATM when Elliot uh, made a joke about those old X-Files bumpers that went, The X-Files oh, is yeah. brought to you by Rolled Gold Pretzels. <laughs> that guy was the quickest voice changer in the biz. He is. Yeah. And, I, and had, I, I think I mentioned I had arguments with my former roommate, Brian Chan, who lives in Boston now, about whether it was two different Woo! guys or the same guy. Yes. Clearly the same guy. Yes? Uh, my, uh, my favorite thing about that, it, not only is it funny, but it sort of, like, I thought I was the only guy in the world who remembered how weird those were. Uh, so in your life, what are your favorite jokes that are extra funny because it seems like they were made for you and only you? 
Jokes mm-hmm. that were made only for us. Mm, I mean, like, I don't know. It's taken me, at the time, I felt like when I first started watching. Dan, are you okay? You just. No, it's not, I, uh, I'm just taking a thinking stroll. A <laughs> thinking stroll? I will say there's a uh, there's an episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000 where yep great show where uh, something laughs and then I think it's Bill Corbett as Crow goes ha 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 Raceway Park and those are commercials that aired in my local area and I was like how did they know about that <laughs> and every time I hear the laughter at the beginning of Wipeout I always think it's the Raceway Park <laughs> jingle so. Yeah, uh, I was telling my wife we were. This has nothing to do with it, but uh, I was telling my wife when we were uh, driving up, we were listening to "Sharp Dressed Man" by ZZ Top, and every time I hear the scat lines where he's like "black tie," I always think it's like the Mason Verger actor from the TV show Hannibal. But don't. Let's move on. Um, uh, I would say, I, at the time when I saw like uh, like Venture Brothers, it felt like. At the time, it felt like, oh, wow, this is made for me. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I'm just a, a boring white guy from a certain age. Um, but, uh, like, I think it was it was an episode of Rick and Morty where they had the character Scary Terry who kept saying bitch all the time. I'm like, oh, yeah, I feel like that's a flop-ass bit. Yeah. He's a Freddy Krueger parody. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dan was thinking of the joke. I don't have, like, a good one. Like, I think that this, this mostly comes up less with, like... Um, with pop culture, of course, as it does with like Friends, like with you, Elliot, or the TV or, show Friends, or yeah. or when I'm with my brother, like uh, just like talking about stuff and making references to nonsense that like like <laughs> yesterday we were we were basically doing lines from Animal Crackers verbatim. Yeah, we, we were talking about where they're looking in the shots. The Marx like, Brothers. What, what sorry, I missed that Marx <laughs> Brothers movie. <laughs> Well, I t- and I, I told you, I told you my new favorite line from Duck Soup, which I didn't realize until I watched again recently, as part of mine, my, my son's every Marx Brothers movie chronologically project. We're in the bad ones right now. Uh, when Chick goes on trial and they go, Where, "When were you born?" and he goes, "I don't remember. I was just a little baby," and he says it so seriously. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to remember things with friends. Question number two, please. <laughs> Hi guys, uh, Norman, last name would help? Bates, got it. Exactly. Um, So ever since Elliot talked about his unproduced script with uh, Robert Moses as the bad guy, I was curious to get your guys' insight on... Surreal Estate, it was called. Well, it's dead now, but all right. Well, I was curious to get your guys' insight on what little-known villain would make a good Flophouse villain and a good Blockbuster villain. Oh, a little known. Like a little, villain. like a real life villain. Is that yeah, like a historical villain. <laughs> John Landis. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. Shots fired. Shots fired. Bow, 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 bow. He killed people. <laughs> <laughs> I not legally, be- not proven in court. I can't believe that supernatural comedy you wrote about Robert Moses never went anywhere. It wasn't just about Robert Moses. It was also about Jane Jacobs. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Like a real, there's so many good ones. I mean, this is not a, this is not as obscure, but the, uh, I'm watching a, for another podcast that John Hodgman and I are doing for Maximum Fun as a donors thing. We're watching I, Claudius together. And I'm like, Boo, yeah. it's, it's, uh, and I'm getting really into ancient Rome and I'm like, oh, there's so many weirdos in ancient Rome. <laughs> like it's such a, and when I, when I was young, I thought Rome was so boring. And now the more I read about it, the more I'm like, this is the craziest time there ever was. <laughs> Everyone's a weirdo. <laughs> Uh, I'm a lot dumber than Elliot, so... Oh, well, I'll also say, okay, Charles Guteau, the man who shot James Garfield, who was a real, (laughs) also a real weirdo. Okay. 
Yeah, I'm like trying to think of like history, and I'm like, oh wait, I don't know history. Mm. So let's just say, what if there were more movies about golems? <laughs> okay, I mean there've been a few, <laughs> but I guess for a guy who thinks the Hulk is a new character, okay, that's. <laughs> he was not Thanks a lot. Thanks, originated the, the role ring, of the Hulk. Dude. There's not uh, okay. There's never been one called the Golem, right? There is. I don't know why you're berating me. Because <laughs> it's Other fun. than that's our bit. <laughs> uh, I hope that satisfies you. If it doesn't, I'm sorry. Next question, please. Uh, hi, I'm Erica. Last name withheld. Um, I was going to ask a question about the Ermic Wars, but since that's kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> let's, not, let's not open Thank that you. bandage. Thank you. Um, I, would, I was going to ask... Um, Christoph Waltz in this movie... It's is fine. We've covered that. <laughs> I mean, and not to dunk on him more, but he's. this is now the second movie that he's been in where he's, like, played a character that's involved with a character with big eyes. So what's all that about? He's typecast by Hollywood as this Good character question. involved with big eyes characters. Now, I think part of it is that he does kind of look like the character, the way the character's drawn in the comics. Like, he's got that kind of, I don't know, Mac Tonight type quality. <laughs> <laughs> Mac tonight. <laughs> Why did they just go get Jay Leno then? I don't understand. <laughs> That's true. Why didn't they get famed actor, box office draw <laughs> yeah. Jay Leno? Ever since oh, he teamed up with know. Pat Morita, he's been a box office legend. You see this, Leno? You see this? Um, uh, so I would say, I just want to say something about Christoph Waltz here. I like Christoph fine. Waltz a lot. I don't think he, I think he's really great, but for some reason uh, they've been putting him in roles that are just like not the right ones for him. And the fact that the main character that this character's last name is Ido tells me that this should probably be a Japanese character with a Japanese actor, not a famously Austrian actor. It's not even like they could be like, we didn't know where he was from. I don't know. Is he known for playing Germano-Austrian characters? I don't know. So he maybe wasn't right for this one, but hey, Christoph, you know what? I still like you. Save the last waltz for me. Can't say anything after that. Yeah. Ryan, last name withheld. Is uh, you or someone you're looking for? <laughs> you might be a hunter warrior. Um, a lot of movies become cult classics, but only a few become like midnight movie like showings where you shout at the screen and there's like a shadow cast and you throw things at the screen and stuff. Like The Room and mm -hmm. Rocky Horror. Mm -hmm. What movie that's a cult classic would you guys elevate to a midnight madness sort of thing hmm. and what would you shout scream would you throw it at? like like for example would you throw like a hostess ding dongs at the screen during a certain scene of a certain movie stewards interesting i am picking up what you're putting down <laughs> i i just uh i just remembered uh that from our last live show we had some audio problems so we should probably start repeating questions uh, after people ask them, by the way. Okay, so Great you could, time you could to remember it, Dan. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> Earning the producer credit once again. So, Dan, do you remember what? the question, or were you too busy thinking about that part? <laughs> what would elevate a, a mere oh, well, what, what movie would to a midnight it? movie smash? What movie would, yes. Would we elevate? Would and we I think elevate. it's kind of obvious for me. There's a little guy... He goes by the initials NB, and he's got a little movie called Fateful Findings. That's right, it's Neil Breen. And that movie is a strange work of maniac outsider art, and I think I would throw laptops at the screen 
every time he hurls his laptops off the desk in anger. Like, or also, in any of the scenes where he is kissing a woman and it pans down and a shirt falls on the ground, which signifies in his unique artistic iconography, sex, I would throw a shirt at the screen. But I think, I think he beat you to the punch because he doesn't let any theater screen his movies past 7 p.m. <laughs> For the, exactly this reason. For that exact reason. Yeah, he yeah. does not want to be a figure of fun. Too uh-huh. late. <laughs> Neil Breen. Uh, I don't know. I would say one of my favorite Halloween movies is a movie called Night of the Demons. And Ooh. it's this great, yeah, it's a great horror movie, great Halloween movie. And I feel like it'd be a blast to watch as a midnight movie where you throw candy or apples with razor blades in them at the screen or something. <laughs> You, you can have do to that, make right? those yourself. Or you get them at the theater. Well, you have to you have to make them yourself, or else you, you don't get the love. Um, so that's what I would say. Night of the Demons, Daniel. Uh, you know, I I am a big proponent of uh, my favorite zombie film is Return of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know popular amongst horror comedy folk, but not necessarily like huge in the world. Even it's not like, on the AFI list, yeah. Well, I was looking at like I was looking at best bad horror movie lists because I was like gonna do a screening of some bad horror movies and, and there are all these lists with like movies that are clearly meant to be tongue-in-cheek and that was one of them on there and it made me very angry uh but return of the living dead punk rock version of a zombie film and i think you should throw uh merkins yeah merkins yeah we both have the in, same uh, joke <laughs> merkins in honor of the uh scene where so you gotta buy a merkin yeah you gotta buy a no, merkin. they have them in the fucking movie you're a true lobby. fan elliot you gotta commit i guess that's true you gotta yeah. go to the Merkin warehouse. I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure it's Merkin.com. Mer- you gotta go down to Merkinit. I, I <laughs> Merkinit. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Maybe do another. I hope pass that answered your one. question. I hope what you wanted to hear was that. So thank you very much. Okay, coming up uh, next. Next questioner. Hey, I'm Matt. Uh, first time, long time. Uh, thanks. Matt, for last name is first time, long time. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's a family name. Um, so this movie was released. They all are. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, sometimes you do tickle me. (laughs) I'll see myself out. Uh, So this movie was released as Alita Battle Angel, but the manga it's based on is Battle Angel Alita. Well, they read backwards in Japan. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought of this question when the uh, Friendly Fire episode in the donor feed reviewed Edge of Tomorrow, which has its name uh, changed to Live, Die, Repeat. And it's now officially known as Live, Die, Repeat. So are there any movies that you would officially change the title of uh, to something else? There's are there movie. any movies we would officially change the title of to something else? <laughs> there's, so, a, there's a movie. So there's a movie starring Guy Pierce where he has to break into a jail that's in yeah. outer space. Yeah. Any sane person would have called it Space Jail. <laughs> but so what do they call it? The Breakout? It's like... Um, uh, the great lock escape. Out. Lockout. Lockout. Is the, lockout. Lockdown. Terrible. Lockout. Space jail. I can't forget it. <laughs> That's like there's a uh, there's a movie with, is it The Rock and uh, some other dude and it's called I think The Roundup or something. Rundown. Like that? Yeah. The Rundown. Rundown. And the original the roundabout? title was, and, the, Scott. and the original title was Hell Dorado, which is a much better name. <laughs> I mean, I think we talked about when we uh, did Devil that it yeah. should be Hellevator. Should be called Hellevator, yeah. The obvious name. Or are we, are we done with Devil Vader? I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> Devil too. Vader, I don't. Let me explain to you backstage why that's worse. <laughs> I mean, it's still better than Devil. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. get me wrong, which doesn't get across the, the most salient point, which is that elevator. <laughs> but again, even elevator is not a good name for that, because as George Carlin pointed out, it goes down as well as up. The name only tells half the story. <laughs> That's a George Carlin joke. So I guess that an elevator should what be called like a vertical people mover or a, or a vert poof. <laughs> All right, well, moving on. <laughs> Next. Uh, yeah, we can get through this whole line and then go. That Okay, perfect. two more questions. <laughs> two more questions. Dan, you sound like you got a place to be, and that place is setting up for our next show. All right. Hey, guys. Andrew, last name withheld. Hey, Andrew. Thanks for being here. Hey. So tomorrow's Rosh Hashanah. Uh-huh. Getting the podcast. Um, so you said that like you were accusing us. <laughs> tomorrow's Rosh Hashanah. You should be at home preparing for the new year. With your family. You have challahs to I'm bake. Late. <laughs> You've got brisket to roast. <laughs> tomorrow's Rosh Hashanah. Um, after that, in the days before Yom Kippur, we're supposed to apologize to people for our sins. Uh-huh. Um, would you guys like to apologize to each other for what you've done to each other over the past year? Thank, okay. Yeah, guys, would you like to apologize to me? That's a good question. Thank you for reminding me of my sacred obligation as a member of the Hebrew race. Dan, I would like to apologize to you for making fun of your, in retrospect, not super crazy, <laughs> wish to see more information about the Urm War. <laughs> I realize that while it is a strange choice and would bog down the movie unnecessarily, your desire to learn more is merely, as I mentioned before, the movie acting upon you in the way it is meant to by making you curious about what's going to happen, much as the Jewish people are curious about many things. And so I apologize for making fun of you so much about that (laughs) specific thing. And nothing else. Uh, Elliot, I would like to apologize to you. Okay, here comes the for sweet making stuff. our uh, private argument so public. <laughs> and uh, I would like to say that even though we have differing opinions on dramaturgy, I still count you one of my greatest friends. Same here, Dan. Same Stuart, here. We haven't talked to you yet. <laughs> I would like to apologize to you for that. <laughs> I'd also like to apologize you, to you for getting so angry at you for your inability to respond to any of my emails. <laughs> Tan. <laughs> Tomorrow is Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> Now, I would like to apologize about the love that your cat, Archie, clearly seems to have for me. (laughs) When I come in the room, he ignores you. In fact, pushes you out of the way to rush into my arms and try and stick his entire head up my nostril. This is all accurate. (laughs) I don't know what I did to bring that on. And for that, I'm sorry. Thank you. And Elliot, after you moved away, I'm sorry that I made a little tiny Elliot my apartment. (laughs) And I yelled at it every time I was mad that you had moved away. I made it out of Play-Doh and cat hair. (laughs) And a fair amount of my spit. And for that, I'm sorry. I appreciate the apology and the news about that. Uh, well, 
we've all been through something. That would be a perfect way to end the show. We've got one more question. <laughs> Hi, um, first name Emma, last name, take your pick, Watson, Stone, Thompson. Hey. Wow, okay, awesome. multiple choice, last name. Killer, cool, that's the future, choice. very yeah. post-human, I like it. <laughs> um, so to circle back around to the wonderful presentation on Boston that you started with, I mm -hmm. was wondering what your favorite movie set in the city of Boston is. Favorite Boston movie. So uh, uh, she referenced my presentation before the show, which was about beans in the movies. <laughs> In honor of Bean Town, which is not technically uh, about the uh, none of those movies are about Boston. Well, if you want to hear my thoughts on movies about Boston, come to the Late Show. Uh, but so, uh, but I don't know. Maybe uh, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, the thing is, there's a lot of movies that are set in Boston, and there's a lot of great movies set in Boston. Mm -hmm. uh, it is surprising that such a teeny tiny itty bitty little city <laughs> has so many movies set in it, so many great movies. <laughs> it's such a little put it in your pocket city. <laughs> But uh, I know it's a tough one because, like, you got movies like The Verdict is set in Boston, like Paper Chase is set in Boston. I got like, mine. Yeah? I'm going to say the book Johnny Tremaine. <laughs> I mean, I think they made a movie of that at some point. Maybe. I'm Googling, so... Uh, <laughs> you're like Ben Affleck movies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I oh, you know like, what? Is Ben and Me the one about the mouse and Benjamin Franklin Boston? No, Philadelphia. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Friends of Eddie Coyle. I think is my favorite Boston movie. So because I love old Robert Mitchum. He's so, so sad. Uh, well, Dan's uh, looking this up. Dan, do you just want to name um? No one's gonna tell you you're wrong. Uh, Unless you say like Ted too, I guess. <laughs> But maybe that's your favorite. You know what, Dan? I'm criticizing your choices too much. If you want to say Ted 2, go right ahead, and I will not judge I think we Dan's can just go, say, uh, go ahead and say it. Just Dan say it. loves Ted 2. He loves Ted 2. Awesome movie. Uh, I'll say uh, The Departed, which I remember is set in Boston because that goddamn Dropkick Murphy song is played every five minutes. Sounds like so, you've got some issues with that movie, Dan. <laughs> no, it's but, good. It's good. Show. Thank you very much for the questions. Yeah. Thank you very much for Thank being you. here with us. Thank you to the venue. Thank you, WBR Safe Space. Thank you, Boston. Thank you for coming. Good night. Good night. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man, that was so much fun. Can you believe we said all that stuff? I certainly can't, especially because I've forgotten all of it. Uh huh. Well, wouldn't that make it harder to believe? Uh, I mean, I, I have no memory. You know, if you if you play me a tape of myself talking, I'm gonna be pretty credulous. I gotta say, you know, if it sounds like me, I'll be like, oh yeah, I probably did that, officer. And that's why that's why you're known as the credulous Hulk because of your <laughs> buff bod and also that you'll believe anything. <laughs> uh, well, that was uh, that was our live episode of Alita colon battle angel where we learn that dan loves backstory do not um, love backstory shovel it into his mouth all the backstory tell it tell him about all the grandparents and great-grandparents of the characters all uh -huh. the stuff they did he wants to know yep. it all how did han solo get that jacket he wants uh -huh. to know <laughs> dan, dan will clean that plate and then ask for more and then ask you where the plate came from, and he wants to go to the factory and watch now, them make it. The sand that this plate was made from, which uh -huh. uh, oh, desert boy. or quarry was that uh, mined from? Uh -huh. Is that well, what you do with sand? Actually, yep. tell me the history of sand. Uh -huh. Well, I hate it. It gets in your butt. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh. <laughs> Spoken like a true Jedi. Uh, so that was Alita Battle Angel. We hope that uh, everybody who has been listening has enjoyed it. Once again, we remind you that you can still go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Become a member if you're not already a member. Upgrade your membership. Uh, there's lots of great levels and things, but you heard all about it during the pledge drive. Come on. Uh, but we appreciate, again, any support you give. If you happen to have a battle angel who maybe got some extra money in the roller combat ring, what did they do in this movie again? I maybe toss some of that money's our way. <laughs> and uh, this show is, as we mentioned, is part of Maximum Fun, uh, the Maximum Fun Podcast Network. Uh, there's plenty of other great shows. Just head over to MaximumFun.org. Um, it's produced by Jordan Cowling, who makes us sound much better than we are. Uh, you wouldn't want to hear the raw audio, let me tell you. Um, I guess much for better the than cooked audio. I've been C- cooked audio instead of raw audio. Get it? Uh, that's the kind of stuff hilarious. Jordan usually usually cuts out. But Jordan, leave that joke in, so they have a taste of the of the crap that they're saved from. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. <laughs> I I've been you. Stuart. Oh, I've, I've been Stuart Wellington, and I'm Elliot Kalin, Battle Angel. That's right, guys. I'm a Battle Angel. I can just call myself that, right? Yep. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>